What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, February 25th, 2020. My name is Gabriel, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie. Hey, Double G. What's going on, man? Happy Tuesday. You said it, but I always have to stop and think. Is it Tuesday? Yes, it is. <laughs> What's up, Natalie Z? Yeah, all the days, they just kind of blend together in the MMA yep. world, don't they? They sure do. Like, what fight <laughs> night are we on? You know, It's I a good know. problem to have, yeah. Yeah, where are they at tonight? Where are they at this week? But no, it was um, it was quite a busy weekend. I think that, uh, let's be honest, if you actually watched all of the MMA from Bellator, and I, I want to say they were in Oklahoma, and then they had Combate Americas, then Bellator had the that weird double card tape delay in Dublin, then obviously UFC, and I think just about everyone and their mom thought they were a boxing person because everyone was talking about Tyson Wilder. Um, it was just quite the weekend. So I think there was a lot of combat sports action to keep up with. But um, yeah, it makes for a very interesting Monday because uh, I, I always say when you have a fight like the Wilder Fury thing, you have a lot of people who don't normally talk boxing. Suddenly we all want to. And I don't think we're a, an exception. So it makes for an interesting week. Yeah, definitely. And it, yeah, I mean, I'll say it again. Good problem to have because if you're a fight fan... You know, there was uh, no rest. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get right into it. It is MMA Daily. Let's start with the MMA like I think we're supposed to. Um, Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker, UFC Auckland, which actually, you know, I know a lot of people were like, uh, this is just, you know, I'll put something on, but I'm waiting for Tyson versus Wilder. Um, this car, this fight, man... I know it's going to fly under the radar because everyone wants to talk about the boxing, but they already put in an early candidate for fight of the year, in my opinion. These two guys brought it. They beat the crap out of each other. I think that um, everyone's predictions essentially rang true. I think that Felder did what a lot of people thought he was going to do with the pressure. I think Hooker did exactly what you thought he was going to be able to do, slipping in and out and finding his spots with his range. And quite frankly... Neither one really imposed the will over the other. It was a lot of ebb and flow. It was a lot of back and forth. You got a split decision. Um, what were your thoughts on the fight? <coughs> Excuse me. I was about to exclaim how exciting it was, and then I choked on my own saliva. Anyway, <laughs> uh, man, it was crazy back and forth. Um, I felt for Paul Felder because, like, he looked you know as far as just his face he looked worse like he ate more punches but every time you know to me it was weird because I thought he's landing more punches but he looks like he's eating more punches and I think that had to do with just the range and the effectiveness of hooker's strikes you know he just had that like four and a half inch reach advantage and it made all the difference um I still I still thought Felder Felder had it but it was close and uh, it's one of those tough ones where I mean you could see Felder was like praying at the end waiting for the judge's decision so they both knew it was close uh yeah heck of a heck of a fight and I think it it upped both of their um their names you know in the sport not that they not that Paul Felder needed it but Dan Hooker was on the rise good showing for both of them it was kind of a bummer to hear Felder at least initially feel like maybe this was it for him but from what I understand uh 
uh, from what his coach Duke Rufus is saying, you know, that's not the case. He's still going to be uh, be fighting, but it helps probably for him to know that he's got that commentary uh, gig. I would say pretty fairly secure. So mm-hmm. you know, the pressure's a little bit off because because I don't think he as as great as he is, as tough as he is. I don't know if he'll ever get to that championship fight. I think that's a, you know, we'll talk about what's next for Dan Hooker because obviously he's in a great spot. But for Paul Felder, um, yeah, I think that he's in that space where it's like if you're in it, you're in it to be the best. And if you feel like, you know, you look at the landscape and that's not going to happen, what are you still in it for? Is it to just fight? Is it, you know, and like we, you know, like you said, he's great at the desk. I think that the best thing that happened to his career was that he got the desk because now everybody realized, oh wait, and he fights like a freaking animal? This guy is awesome. Um, it definitely all of that helps him. Uh, Duke Rufus had that great moment where he talked about the daughter and the commentary said it. You could see it just in the body language. It kind of was the magic word that lit the fire. Um, Paul, my point is that Paul Felder is an intelligent guy. He's a guy with options. He's a guy with experience. Uh, I do look at the lightweight division and let's just, you know, just for a title shot alone right now, you got to wait on Tony versus Habib. Conor McGregor is in there. Justin Gaethje is in there. Uh, Dustin Poirier is still ahead of him. Um, now Dan Hooker. Uh, that's not to speak on, you know, all the other pieces that are always moving in the lightweight division. Your Cowboy Cerrone's and other guys like that. Um, if you think about, you know, let me pull up his age, but, uh, you know, trying to get to a title shot, how far away are you from it today? And how many years do you see yourself, you know, at the top of the sport? Not to say that it can't happen, but we're talking about a great time in the lightweight division. We're talking about a murderer's row just to get a title shot, not even win the whole thing. Remember, you still got to beat the boss at the end of the game, right? So, yep. I mean, he's 34 right now. I can understand him feeling like, dude, you know, like, if I won the fight, I'm still probably waiting 12 months just waiting for Tony, Gaethje, Connor to play itself out. Just with that. That's not to speak on, hey, if I got to fight at, you know, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje to get there still. And then you still got to take out a guy like Tony or Habib. That's not an easy task. And, you know... When he looks at it, once again, with his options, in the moment, of course, he's feeling a lot of stuff, especially when you think about the disappointment. He went out there, he fought, you know, his heart out, and you just come up uh, short in a split decision after you've made the trip, you were there early. You know, it's not hard to imagine all the emotions running through Paul Felder, for sure. Um, I think he's still got a lot of fight left in him. I think this is like when Carlos Condit was talking about retiring. Like, dude, you are still a top guy. I still want to see you out there, and I think you could still do it. Obviously, he evaluates that at home for himself, but and Dan Hooker acknowledged it and wanted to give him his props in New Zealand, which I loved. But I think that that's just the case. Yeah, it, it is. And so so for for Felder, you know, it's kind of just like circle the wagons. And then for Hooker, it's, yeah, who's who's next? Who's next looking upward? I mean, let me toss it to you. I know who I think should be next, but I'm going to let you tell me what you sure. think. I was, you know, I'm going off of the rankings and what is supposedly in the works, and we'll, we'll get into that later. But I'm thinking Dustin Poirier, 
Uh, and if not, then, you know, I kind of feel bad putting him back out there, but, but Donald Cerrone. That's uh, I didn't think a cowboy. That's not a bad fight. I actually really like it. Um, I think cowboy needs some time off before yeah. then. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I've seen him. I follow him on Instagram. I know he's already wanting to fight again. But I know. I know. I was like, no. I was like, I, <laughs> I read that too, and I'm like, Donald, um, <clears throat> maybe just a little more time. Just you know, my own professional opinion. But that's just. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love seeing him out there, but I think that you know. There's some people I do think need a bit of a break, and especially after the last fight, I feel like it might be. Um, not to say I don't want to see him. I would love a fight with him and Dan Hooker. I think that's great. Uh, for my money, I think Dustin Poirier. I think that, quite frankly, when you look at Dustin, Tony Ferguson's on the upswing. Justin Gage. The problem with the Justin Gaethje rematch with Poirier, and yes, it was. Uh, I thought it was one of the best ones the year it happened. I think it was 2018. Is that it still feels too recent. And I almost feel like at this point, you know, not that Dustin isn't a top guy, but Justin is so far on the upswing that really it's almost a disservice to give him Dustin Poirier, which is a very tough fight for anybody. But Justin, especially stylistically, the way that they bring it to each other, I think that that's just a tough one. And I would rather see Poirier against Hooker. I think that... um. Look, they'll figure out what happens with Gaethje. I, we've heard the chatter and we'll talk about that. But I do think that, you know, if you're Dan Hooker, Poirier is a guy you got to fight anyway to get to the, you know, at the top of the division. And if you're Poirier, this is kind of one to show that, hey, you are still here and hungry for it and ready to turn back, you know, hungry contenders and reassert your space as a top guy following the loss uh, last year. So... I think that uh, Poirier just checks all the boxes, and it's a fun fight. I think that they will bring it the same way Paul Felder did and just be the lights out of each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Checks all the boxes, fun fight, they'll bring it, so so let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's bring it. Um, I know Poirier was on the show, and they talked about it. I think that Poirier is reaching the point where it's like, you know, pretty soon we're just going to want to fight. And I think that, um, you know, it's just wait and see what happens there on the schedule. But, yeah, it was definitely quite the, quite the Saturday for Dan Hooker. But the one that everyone was talking about, Tyson Fury, um, hey, Deontay Wilder, just, <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. I mean, let's just, I'm not going to give you analysis. This isn't a boxing show. Tyson Fury took it to him. And I, I saw the thing. That outfit did look heavy, and when I watched it on TV, I did feel like, uh, not the tunnel, but just the pathway for Wilder, it did seem very congested, and it did seem like he was more stumbling through it, and what I mean by that is, he kind of had to keep stopping, because they had to keep adjusting people to move him to the, to the ring. Um, Fury, you know, whether it worked out nicely, or whether he knew that would happen, the fact is, the throne being carried out worked in his favor um but yeah that was just uh that was something i mean i was very impressed like everybody else i want to see the fight with anthony joshua and fury i think that'd be a ton of fun and um yeah uh i do find it interesting now um there's some people in our world that seem to now you know think they're they could really box so i'm gonna toss it to you natalie what do you think 
What were your thoughts well, on the fight in the aftermath? <laughs> yeah, the fight itself, amazing. Fury owned his ass big time, demolished him, completely dominated him. Like, I really wanted the the ref to stop the fight earlier or his corner could have thrown in the towel earlier. Like, Seven was already late. He looked out of it. You know, I found out today that the, the bleeding from the ear was not a busted eardrum, that it was actually just a cut. But that whole time I'm watching the fight, I'm thinking, his eardrum is busted. His, his equilibrium is gone. When he um, referenced a leg, something wrong with his legs at the end of the fight, I assumed he had, like, some kind of knee injury. You come to find out that they were just gassed out from the walk-in. That's ridiculous. Like, that is so silly and I just embarrassing. Like, this is the biggest fight of his career, the one of the biggest fights in boxing, recent boxing, heavyweight boxing, and, like, you wear an outfit that, in my opinion, was not flattering. I didn't see the appeal anyway. But you wear an outfit that's so heavy that by the time you get to the ring, you're tired. That's unbelievable. And and to even I would be embarrassed to even admit that that's what happened, but I guess it's so ridiculous that and, and you know maybe he felt like look man I was in such great shape and I was really ready to go I have to say what what I think really happened. So I don't know what he'll come out with in the next fight with Fury even though I don't think we need one I think uh, Fury beat him twice and let's leave it at that but I, uh, it looks like he's uh, he's enacting the the rematch clause so they're gonna fight again. Hopefully he just comes out in a bathrobe because, I mean, this is ridiculous. And then as far as future, uh, I think uh, I think you're alluding to some someone from the UFC wanting to, to get down with Tyson Fury. Um, I, I don't know. I think that's just dumb, but I'll let you set it up. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to uh, politely disagree. I thought that Wilder looked like a beast. I really? he walked out there and I was like, bruh, if I was a fighter, that's exactly who I want to fight. I want it to feel like I'm fighting the last boss of a video game. And that's exactly what he looked like with the red uh, LEDs eyes. over the eyes. I was like, dude, that is cool. Very bluntly, that is cool. He looked like the last guy you fight at Mortal on Mortal Kombat Street Fighter. You know what I mean? Man, um, well... So cool that he couldn't even handle it. <laughs> uh, it was a congested pathway. It was. I don't think he expected to have to take that long. I thought he was... I think he thought he was just going to stalk his way from the tunnel to the ring. I don't think he... Ex- they both had long walks. Fury, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think they'd actually use the whole song to get there. But um, that's that's my two cents. I'll put it in the jar. Um. <laughs> Yeah, Stipe, I, I like Stipe being an opportunist. I get it. I even get Francis Ngannou doing it. Um, You put bigger gloves on both of them and you tell me they're actually going to outbox Tyson Fury. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so back to Dan Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just dumb. Like, I think especially you really have to be somebody next level to start calling out big time boxers. And no offense to Stipe, I just don't think that he's that caliber of MMA star yet. You know, it could happen, but like, it's just not, it's just not happening, man. And call outs like that, they just get, you know, they get run through the news cycle, spit out the other end. And it's not that Tyson Fury competing in MMA, um, which is what I guess what he had been interested in, right? Or teased sort of by training with Darren Till, yep. wouldn't make money. You know, that could. I don't want to see that either. Like, I don't want to see 
anybody go from MMA go fight Tyson Fury in boxing or vice versa. Um, but if that were to happen, then it would have to be against someone like John Jones or like an Anderson Silva type equivalent. So I don't think Stipe is is the man for either of those um, either of those bouts, whether it's MMA or boxing. Especially, especially not after the way Fury, um, how he Destroyed beat Deontay, but Wilder. the way, well, yeah, the way he did it, but like the, the preamble, I guess, if you will, and the, and the postscript, right. The, the way he was so confident in the, in the media with the media and what he was doing in the locker room before the fight, you know, with the split screen and, and the way he was motioning, like, um, about with Deontay on the, on the floor being stretched out. Like that was hilarious. Licking the blood off his neck, all of the antics and it all paid off, man. It all freaking paid off. So you got to be next level MMA star to, to call out Tyson Fury. I don't think Stipe is it. Uh, I don't think anybody in, uh, in terms of heavyweights. That size? Is, yeah, that size, no. in, yeah. In terms of heavyweights. No. Um, even Connor, you know, Mayweather that, we all remember that one. It's like, yes, Connor's a big deal, but Mayweather in boxing, you know, we all remember what it sounded like at first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, I appreciate the opportunist. I think that, you know, who doesn't want to make a giant bag of cash? I know I do. I know that Tyson could hit me for a couple million dollars. Oh, I'll, no, I'll no, tell you no, that no. right <laughs> now. You don't think I'd survive? You got to keep your camera face, your moneymaker, man. Uh, thanks, boo. <laughs> anyway, but no, I, um, yeah, I, I get it very bluntly. Um, but yeah, it just, you tell me right now that they're going to win that one. No. Now I do want to bring up one story before we move on to our other stuff. I distinctly remember a time when it was a, like a blog story. Tyson Fury boxer calls out Cain Velasquez UFC champion. And I thought, what, who is this idiot? excuse me are you trying to you know the clout chasing and all this stuff you telling me five years later man i i'm sorry tyson i was wrong i might have tweeted some things in the moment i can't remember uh -oh. but i was wrong man you that would have been freaking awesome so hey. yeah <laughs> it's funny how the world works doesn't it because yep. i know i wasn't the only one I wasn't the only one who thought that was a joke and was asking who the, you know, in your best Connor impression is that guy. <laughs> yeah, but um, the, the universe is funny in that way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No, but look, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I know, like they said, the trilogy with Wilder, I'd love to see Joshua. But if you tell me Stipe is fighting this year, I'll be like, well, I guess I better put in my credential. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's, anyway. that's the other side of it, which is if it happens, even though we don't want it to, we'll be there. Exactly. That's the point, right? Yep. But no. Let's talk about some fights that did break for the MMA world. Okay. I think the big one, we discussed it, but now it is officially, you know, it's like when two people, you th think they're dating and then they go Facebook official. That's what this <laughs> one was. Henry Cejudo is officially fighting Jose Aldo, May 9th. UFC 250, Sao Paulo, Brazil, enemy territory. Um, let, what do we need to say? Henry is coming off a three-fight win streak, beating Mighty Mouse, beating TJ Dillashaw, beating Marlon Moraes, knocking off a goat, becoming a double champ, etc., etc. Just flipping awesome. 
Jose Aldo, obviously he made the debut at Bantamweight. He had the split decision loss to Marlon Moraes. Um, you know what? Not to beat the dead horse because we discussed it, but it's kind of like Israel Adesanya and Yoel Romero next week. Um, yes, Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling. Yes, they are on a roll. Yes, they have the credentials for a title shot. Yes, they make sense. Yes, they should be insulted about it. When you're talking about business, you got to talk about, you know, pay-per-view, getting people to part with their hard-earned money. It doesn't take rocket science to know that Aldo versus Cejudo is going to sell better, especially if they're the headliner, which I'm going to bring up in a second after I, um, before we close it out. But when you talk about parting with their hard-earned cash, they just can't compete with the name recognition of Jose Aldo. And I think that that's just everything that... um. Everything that needs to be said on the matchmaking. On the fight itself, uh, you know, I think this is the week that you were out, but I said, you know, when you watch the fight with Marlon, it's hard to see that Jose Aldo beating the Henry Cejudo who did work against TJ and Marlon Moraes. That being said, I do want to acknowledge this is not a gimme fight for Henry Cejudo at all. I know everyone's talking about, well, what about, and he's coming off the loss. Let's remember that he is still going to be the much longer, rangier fighter. Let's also remember just how flipping good his takedown defense is. He is literally like a cat. Watch the fights with Chad Mendez. It is ridiculous how good Jose Aldo's takedown defense is. It's just beautiful, textbook to watch. This is not an easy fight for Henry Cejudo. And I do think that competitively, it is one of the better fights to look forward to. Yeah, it's definitely not an easy fight. And, you know, whether Cejudo was matched up with someone deserving of the 135 shot uh, at the belt or not, I, you know, or this fight, you know, I'm still going to give my pay-per-view dollars or my, you know, whatever dollars to, to the UFC like I always do. Uh, so whatever, right? In that regard, what does it matter who they match him up with? But I still, I still don't like it. It's you, you can't lose your your 135 debut and then get a title shot, no matter your legacy. Like it's just, it's just silly. But okay, I get it. Cejudo, Cejudo, I I see more as, you know, he wants to cement his legacy by beating legends, and UFC is is letting him call his shots. They're giving him what he wants. And so in that respect, okay, fine. But how much, how valuable is is your title defense when it's against someone that couldn't even win in their debut at your weight division? So whatever. I'll move on with that. But it is a tough fight. And, you know, we can break it down when we get there. But but I'm just uh, – I'm sort of – I'm sort of have my arms crossed on this one because – Cejudo, what he did by to win the belt, how he beat Marais, it was so exciting that I want to see him defend it properly, defend it against, um, you know, deserving contenders. I mean, uh, I think it's just a, he's trying to stri- call his shot and strike while the iron is hot, which I he get, is, like, but I get it too. But uh, Peter Yan is a freaking animal. He's a mm-hmm. beast. Aljamain, so slick. Got tons of moves, poses a ton of problems for a lot of guys at 135. I get it. But, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I mean, that's just, you know, that's just fights. And it's still a good fight. I really do like it. I think it's a good one. Um, it would look nicer had Aldo won that fight, but that's just kind of where we're at, unfortunately. 
But yeah, look, I'm ready for it. I think that Henry's going to bring it. And I think that Jose Aldo at home is going to want to make a point too. But yeah, that one will be good. My final point, because I wanted to bring up, when you talk about the matchup and the name value, they're in Brazil. This is kind of always Henry Cejudo's plan, I feel like. I don't think that he would have waited till 4th of July or possibly August to end up on one of those cards. I do think that he wanted to get back sooner. If, you know, looking at the schedule, I don't see John Jones fighting in May. And, um, you know, Israel Adesanya is already booked. To Habib's already booked. The lightweight, you know, there's a lot of belts already booked. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky looks like he's pushing for June on the card with Valentina in Australia. Are Henry and Jose gonna be headlining by themselves? You know, no other belt, you know, on the line on that card. I do mm-hmm. think so. Maybe, yeah. And on that note, suddenly Jose Aldo on pay-per-view in a main event makes a lot more sense in Brazil. When you're talking about yeah. Sanad and Sao Paulo. I did want to bring oh. up that note before moving on. Yeah, 100%. That's that's like, Cejudo wanted a legend. UFC needed a star to sell their pay-per-view. Bada bing, bada boom. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I am interested. Um, I know they have some more fights on the undercard, but it almost feels like they need that one more. Just like last year, they ended up booking uh, Ferguson Cowboy last minute, and it became one of the most anticipated cards of the year. Um, I, I think it just needs that extra one, uh, personally. I think that people are still waiting for a little more to pop. Moving on, this one, um, I don't even want to put too much... Uh, how do I do? Let me think of a good metaphor. This is, this is one of my favorite parts of the job. I don't want to spend too much time cooking this dish because I almost feel like nobody's going to touch it when I serve it at the table for a couple <laughs> months. And okay. that's the rumor that, you know, I heard Ariel Helwani, like we all did, that Conor McGregor and Justin Gaethje are in preliminary talks to fight this summer. And when he says preliminary, I don't mean uh, ESPN. I mean probably still fight pass preliminary. <laughs> like the ref is still stretching out in the first fight preliminary. I don't think, you know. Uh, I like Connor's mindset if it's serious. Because I would argue that if there's one guy who's a worse matchup for him than Habib, it's probably Gaethje in the lightweight division. So if this is legit, I gotta say, Connor, it's very gangster of you to step up and want this one this soon. I'm with it. If you're Justin Gaethje, it's about freaking time. Let's run it. Yeah, man. I don't think that's going to happen. I think (laughs) that the UFC has too many dollars they don't want to risk. And like Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) I'll, uh, yeah, if, if, if he, if Connor loses to Gaethje, then there goes your bigger money fight with whoever wins in April, right? Yep. So you're putting that, that potential income at risk by, by pairing Connor with a killer like Justin Gaethje. However, who else are you going to match him up with? Uh, I guess you could do Poirier, but it, look, top, we always talk about this top five at 155, they're killers. Murderers row, right? Yep. So there is no easy out. There is no easy path to the title shot other than sitting on your hands and waiting, uh, you know, through the summer for the, whoever wins in April to be ready to fight again in, in Q3 or Q4. 
So he's got to he's got to face somebody at 155 or Diaz uh, at 170, I guess, um, or 155. That's it. So no easy way out, man. Like the song in uh, Rocky Four says, "There's no easy way out, man." That was the saddest Rocky, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Rocky Four? Yeah. Yeah, but Apollo Creed and well, yeah, Apollo Creed, yeah, but uh, the Russia versus U.S. That Come was on, pretty man. cool. Um, I like the one. College Humor did a really awesome skit. They did like a the fake thirty for thirty documentary on Rocky Four. Like oh, they really? have, they have like Max Kellerman breaking it down, and he's like, they were throwing punches so hard, the guys were moving even though they weren't touching, and they like show the <laughs> clip from the movie like, that it's fake. Oh, I was dying at that one. Dude, I'll tell you what. As a kid, like I'd seen Rocky four before I'd seen like real boxing, and so I thought that was how real boxing should go. And when I finally started watching real boxing, I was like, wait a minute. This is like not even close to as exciting until oh I started gosh. to like learn, you know, all about it and stuff. But like, I was like, why don't they hit each other so hard? And, and they, <laughs> they get knocked out so easily. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, growing up is a difficult thing, man. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, final note, I do think those talks should stay very preliminary on the Gaethje part and Connor. Uh, there's just too much money on the table and I'll leave it at that. Um, it, however, crazier things have happened, and I always put that caveat. I am very willing to quote this episode when they announce it for 4th of July or something like that. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We have a fight card. It is a new day in the flyweight division and a championship. Not for nothing. So you got to acknowledge this is one. They're putting the gold on the line. All the bells and whistles. Joseph Benavidez, Davison Figueredo. The uh, fly, now vacant flyweight championship, talking about Cejudo, he vacated that one because we all knew no matter who he fought, the big fight was always going to be at Bantamweight, and that meant he's not defending flyweight, probably. Even if he were to get through Aldo in like three minutes, he was never going to defend that title probably till October. That's over a year and a half. It, just unfair to the division. Okay. Moving on to Benavides and Figueroa, I think the big one for me is Davison. If I'm butchering it and he wins the belt, I'm so sorry, bro. I think you're a badass. But um, I think the biggest thing is like, man, this dude is aware of his opportunity. I see him coming up and just wanting to make a statement, be a little more aggressive, set the tone for Benavides. I think you've got to acknowledge, look at these guys' records. They have a ton of flyweight experience in the UFC. Benavidez has been at the top of either 135 or 125 for the past 10 years. This was a guy who was fighting big fights with Dominic Cruz before they were even in the UFC. That's how long he's been around. I think that he is aware of the numbers. I think that he sees this as, you know, like, man, if I, it's got to be. How can it not be like, man, if this is my time to win it all for sure? I do think that that's got to be on his mind. Uh, this is a good fight. I do think that Benavidez's output, I think that just his skills, he's a, still a solid grappler. He's still got decent power. I think that it just poses problems if he can get going early. I think you can't let a guy as good as Figueroa get off first. That's going to be the key. He's got to initiate the action. Yeah, I'm 
I'm uh, I'm definitely thinking Benavides has to be aware that you know his title shots are only going to come around like this has got to be the last one or close to right. I mean the division is it is what it is. So that they both have I think mentally um, something going for them right. For Benavides it's like is this my last title shot? If so, I got to take it, man. I got to come in hard and take it. Figueredo, like you know. If I have an opportunity here to steal the belt away from the the heir apparent, then I'm going to come in and take it with my step in elbows and aggression. So I think Benavides has the advantage as you laid out for his because of his experience, his intelligence, and I got to believe he wants it more. He wants it way more. He wants it probably. I mean, he's been so close. He's tasted it. I don't think he beats Cejudo in that fight, but he he has the win. And he knows, I think, you know, he believes he would have beat him second time around as well. So for him, it's like all or nothing. And so that's where I'm, I'm leaning when I, when I watch the fighters, when I, you know, trying to break down the fights and stuff. I think the mental advantage is for Benavides. And uh, he'll use his intelligence and all his skills, obviously. But I think it's the intelligence, the patience, the experience that's going to benefit him in the long run. And I, I, I do see him getting the win and finally becoming champion yeah i would like to point out um i think that when you look at the weight sergio pettis even though he got the win i think that sergio is probably more natural bantamweight um davison is probably uh the toughest guy he's fought since cejudo in terms of uh flyweight i do think you gotta acknowledge you know figurito's got a very complete game he's got submissions Mm -hmm. like you said the stepping elbows those i mean i love a guy who could set those up man I was telling myself, like, man, I would love to rip those if I were a fighter. <laughs> they look like they do damage. This is a tough fight, but I do think that Benavidez bite down on the mouthpiece. Like I said, initiate the action. He, sh- I do believe in his ability just at the end of the day to stay ahead of Figueroa on the cards. Yep, land yep. those few extra shots. Get those few better positions. Stay out of the trouble. I just expect him to be able to do that. I don't think it's going to be a wash. Davison is a very tough guy, but I do see uh, Benavidez um, holding on to this one for a unanimous decision also. All right. Let's see. Who would, yeah. who's, uh, who's wearing the belt next week? I mean, here's a better question. Who's next after? I think that that's really... Uh, I'll be honest. When we talk about the future of the flyweight division, that question is exactly why we talk about save, un, you know, not save and all that stuff is because off the top of your head, it really does feel, you know, it, even more drastically than the women's flyweight or the women's bantamweight, it does feel like there's such a significant drop off. And I think that that's, you know, how the UFC approaches it. I'm very interested to see because I do think that they, you know, whoever the next guy is, they kind of got to be set up a certain way on the next card. I don't see any other way you do it if you're, you know, talking about keeping the division. Now, I know Benavides has fought at 135. Um, I'm sure Figueroa would like to not cut weight and a bu- bunch of other guys too, but all that will need to be seen before the next one, plain and simple. Yeah, you said it, man. Yeah, before we talk about, uh, you know, next week and round out the show, I do want to acknowledge this point going into it. You've got Megan Anderson and Felicia Spencer, not against each other, but they are fighting on the undercard of this one. 
And it really got me thinking because um, when I think about, okay, Aspen Ladd's still not fighting for a sec. Um, well, wait, I, that, she's scheduled for a different one, right? It's not um, her versus Pena on this card. No, I don't think so. It shouldn't be. Anyway, but my point is that when I look at this and I think about the timing, especially let's say they don't take damage particularly uh, in their fights, do you think either Megan or Felicia could get a title shot at 145 against Amanda, let's say 4th of July, you know, somewhere in August? I say yes, but only if Nunes wants to defend at 145, right? Like they're her... If she does, they're her only options with name value and any kind of, I mean, not a threat, but, you know, it'll give her at least a little bit of, it's like a a cat playing with its dinner. You know, she'll have a little bit of fun with them before she finishes the fight. So I see it as an easy payday. So, so yes, she, either one of those is in contention, but also if something, somehow something exciting pops up at 135, she'll probably want that instead. Although just looking at the rankings, like I don't, I mean, okay, I always say this, but under featherweight on the rankings, UFC rankings, there's nobody listed. Under bantamweight, I mean, it's the random Holland Home, Holly Holm, Aspen Ladd, Juliana Pena. Like, I guess I like Randy Aldana. She's really exciting. I, uh, I in her last fight, she had that knockout. So if if we're looking at bantamweight personally, that's the fight I would get excited about. But it's not like a huge money making fight. I don't think that exists at bantamweight. It doesn't exist at featherweight either. So it's kind of just like let Nunes pick whatever she wants. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, the reason I say it is because, okay, I just double-checked them. Um, I don't think Irena is scheduled at this point. Do you remember if she is? I don't, I don't think so. I, I feel like she fights every other month. Yeah, um, I guess my thing about that is that um, I think if Aspen beats uh, Juliana, she's ahead at Bantamweight, but that's not happening for another month. Then you got to look at how fast of a turnaround are we going to see after that. The timing for me is that Megan and Felicia, it depends. I feel like Amanda Nunes does want to stay active. And I think that at this point, it's kind of like, why not? Um, I'd almost almost want to hear from her and be like, hey, are you going to do this or are you going to wait it out? Which if she says she is, I don't even have a problem with that. Because at this point, really, why, why not either? Very bluntly, but... When I look at it, especially um, uh, Megan Anderson with Amanda, I think that's more fun because of the physical threat of Megan. Um, Felicia, more complete, more well-rounded, if lacks maybe the firepower on paper. I think that that's just a fun fight. But um, I, I just look at it and I'm like, you know, people aren't talking about it. You could very well see the next one come out of this one, depending on who looks better, who puts, in, um, who puts on a show. And I do think that's an interesting note is that they're almost competing against each other. And obviously, you know, you got two dark horses. Um, you have Norma Dumont off the top of my head. Who the heck is Felicia fighting? I think it's another new girl. Let's see. Um, da, 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 da. Oh, computer. Come on. Yeah. Fact is, you have two dark horses going into the fight. Um, who could very uh, Zara Theron? Yeah, there, uh, th- there it is. Yeah, um, Zara Theron. Uh, the thing about that is, you could easily see two upsets, and suddenly you are waiting for Aspen Lad. 
No offense to Bayern or um, Dumont, but that's just how the math kind of goes. If either, if both Megan and Felicia were to lose. So I think it's very, you know, my point is that there's some very easy matchmaking that might fit on the timetable for Amanda Nunes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Whoever, if someone, if either one of those two fighters wins in, a, in an impressive, spectacular fashion, sparks interest from Nunes and, and the UFC for the next um, title match for her, then yeah. Again, it's just kind of like someone's got to pop and whoever pops first in either division is going get to the, get the shot. I mean, I'm ready for it. I mean, I want to see, and I say this because if Amanda doesn't, hasn't been booked for May, which I kind of thought, hey, you know, back to Brazil, 4th of July, you know, it's going to be end of February. That kind of makes sense for one of these two. And I think that that's exactly what we could see. All right. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. Natalie Zamudio, next week, UFC 248. Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero, Weili Zhang, Joanna Yoan Jacek. What are you looking forward to the most? Dude, that's a that's a that's a heck of a main and co-main. I'm okay. The main is he is he Romero? Like that's gonna be a war, right? Yeah. But what I'm actually looking more forward to is Weili Zhang, Joanna Yoan Jacek, because this is Yoan Jacek, like you know. This is kind of an all or nothing, kind of like almost like a Benavidez situation. However, she had the belt for like a while and defended it five times, so it's it's a different story in that respect. But you know, she's had a had a tough time since losing the belt. She beat Michelle Waterson, which is great for her to win, but not necessarily the most difficult opponent, right? When you compare Waterson, who I love a lot and I would love to see her get a title shot one day, when you compare her skill set to to Weili Zhang or Rosamayun, it's like, you know, there's still a little a little bit of space there. So for Young Jacek, she has confidence from the win, but man, just from the little I've seen of Weili Zhang, she's a marauder. And uh, Joanna Young Jacek is going to have to be sharp, mentally and physically. I think the thing about um, the entire card, I do like it just because I do feel like Joanna, you know, I've always said this, Joanna's probably one of the top people on my list in terms of fighters I love to watch right now. I just think she's so sharp. She makes, you know, she's made a lot of fighters look ordinary by making it look so clean and just surgical with her striking. I think it's beautiful to watch. Um, with Wei Li, this is kind of the big fight, right? To kind of show that you are the new queen of the landscape. Um, and Rose Namajunas is out there too, and that's going to be a fight that I think Whaley, you know, if Rose gets by Jessica, that's a fight that, you know, everyone's going to want to see happen. But in terms of the fight, I just, uh, I like the Joanna Whaley storyline. I think that the real hook for the main event, like many of them, but this one a little more so, is that how does Adesanya top his 2019 you know, it's like, dude, you had the walkout, you had the fights, you had these performances that suddenly it almost feels like you need to do a backflip spinning tomahawk knockout of Yoel Romero just to live up <laughs> to your own hype. And, you know, so you want to see him do something special. You want to see like, hey, is this the stup- this uh, stupor, the superstar 
of the next decade, right? You want to see if he's about to be the man. If you're Joel Romero, everyone knows what this guy can do. He goes out there, is he zigs instead of zags? Suddenly, Joel Romero, UFC middleweight champion. Who saw that coming? I think that's the, you know, the brass tacks of the main event, which is fun. I do think that stylistically, um, there's obviously a lot of threats they both pose to each other. Is just implementing that. I'm going to save that chapter for our show next week. But, you know, for me, that's the hook. That's the storyline is that can Izzy live up to the stardom that we've just kind of grown accustomed to in a short time? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a lot of pressure because of the potential for growth if he does deliver here. So, yeah, I'm curious to see how he handles it. He seems pretty sturdy mentally, but you never know. Everybody does until until they don't. Oh, my gosh. I hate when you talk like that. <laughs> Get me so worried. I want to see my super fights. I want to see things happen. You like you're, you. you're a negative Nelly. You like to jinx a lot. <laughs> makes me worry. Oh man! Makes me hold on. Knock on wood. <laughs> yep. There you go. No, but um, guys, obviously that's the end of our show. We have we'll have plenty to talk about with UFC next week with breaking down the stuff. Um, always give us a shout out on social media. Remember the show MMA Daily hashtag MMA Daily. You can find me on social media everywhere at Double G on TV. Natalie, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Natalie Zamudio underscore and on Instagram at Zamudio Rama. And there you have it, guys. Have a good one. We will see you next week.